is risen. We are here to celebrate the resurrection, the, the, the greatest event in human history, an event that has, has transformed and changed history and has changed lives of, of many people here this morning. That's your story as well. We're here to celebrate the Son of God born into human history, going to the cross in our place, being buried, but three days later, rising to new life, that we worship today a risen Savior. How remarkable is that, this mind-boggling idea. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan, the lead pastor here at New Hope Church. And whether you call New Hope home or you're here for the first time this morning, I just want to tell you thank you for, for being here. Thanks for making us a part of your Easter plans uh, this, this morning as we, as we celebrate here uh, together. Uh, hopefully you have a bulletin. And uh, if you, you do, I want to highlight a couple of things uh, in there, mainly on the back side because you can do some fill in the blank there. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the unique things about Easter is this, that if you only come uh, maybe to church on Easter time and uh, you all know what I'm going to talk about this morning, right? There's no surprise on what the message is about at Easter. And Christmas is a little bit the same way. And so if you, if you come to church on Easter and you come at, at Christmas time, then you probably think that we here at church, we just repeat ourselves over and over and over again. We just talk about the same thing all the time. But, uh, but we actually don't. We talk about all kinds of things throughout the year. And I want to mention something that we're starting next Sunday, a new sermon series there behind me. It's called Scared to Death. And what we want to do is take four weeks and we're going to take head on the topic the issue of fear and anxiety. It's something that we all know about. We all experience it. Uh, for some of us, though, it's, it's crippling. For some of us, it is something that just locks us in in our lives, and, and we have a hard time breaking free from it. It's something that Scripture talks a lot about as well. And so we're going to take, sorry, next time, take this head on. We're going to look at what does God's Word say about this, and what are some action plans? What are some things I can put into place in my life, some new ways of thinking, some new ways of living, so I can break free from fear and anxiety and worry that can hang on to our lives and, and cause us to struggle. And so we're starting that next time. Hopefully you can come back and be a part of that with us as we get, jumped, uh, get started on that. Back to your bulletin. On the back side, and I know some of you did not get a bulletin, but either way, you can follow along here this morning. We have some fill in the blanks. Here's your first one for this morning. And this really captures the big idea of what we're talking about. It's this, that Easter is all about the resurrection. That everything about Christianity is founded on the resurrection. In fact, Christianity rises or it falls on whether the resurrection is true or not, if it actually happened or it didn't. It's not just one part of the Christian story. It's everything about faith and what it means to follow Christ. And so for some of you, that you share that conviction. But maybe for others of you this morning, when it comes to the resurrection, it's kind of a puzzling thing. That you may understand some of the parts and pieces to it, but why is it so important? Or how, how does it all fit? And, and why do we spend so much time on it? Why is it such a big deal once a year at Easter time? You know, in many ways, it could be kind of like this bowl I brought of puzzle pieces. And in some ways, this represents you and I. In that, that you and I, we each carry around with us different ideas or thoughts, kind of represented by a puzzle piece, of when it comes to issues of who God is and, and what it means to follow Him. And so you have, you have some pieces, the question as I just mentioned of who God is, you've got a few pieces that you've picked up along the, along the way in your life, maybe from church or parents or education or the media or something, but you've picked up different ideas about who God is and you carry these around and maybe you have some ideas about what the Bible is all about or what it means to have faith. And the, the list goes on and on and we have all these different pieces that we, that we carry around with us in our lives. 
And sometimes we take our pieces and we try to put them together to make a complete picture of what it means to, to know God and to follow him. And sometimes our pieces fit, but sometimes they don't fit. And sometimes we're taking our pieces and we're trying to put them together and we realize that we're missing some pieces. And that's really frustrating with a puzzle, isn't it? When you're putting it together and you're missing a piece. And maybe that represents you've just got questions. Questions along the way of, you know, the, 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 what I see about Christianity just as a whole. There's just some things that are missing that I don't quite fully understand because I don't have all the pieces. And what ends up happening for you and I is we put our pieces together. Again, some fit and some don't is that oftentimes the pieces and the picture that we begin to form again of who God is and what it means to follow him, our pictures are, are incomplete. You know what else can happen is our pictures look different from one another. That the picture I put together becomes different than the picture you put together. Because here's what we all know to be true. That when it comes to puzzles, it's a really frustrating experience to put it together without what? The cover, the box, right? You need the picture on the box to orient you to how to put the pieces together. It gives you hope that it actually does come together. It helps give you a target. It orients you. It, it helps you make sense of this is what the pizzas are supposed to look like when it comes together. And you know, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to, to faith, this is our master picture. This is, the, this is what it's supposed to line up. What we're supposed to do is take the pieces that we have that we've picked up along the way of who God is and what it means to follow him. And we want to compare it to the puzzle cover, the box, the master picture to say, how does it line up with what God's word says? Because our, our, our job of putting things together, it's just not going to work. We need the picture to show us. What I want to do this morning is I want to, we're going to get into to God's word here this morning. We're going to look at what does scripture say about the resurrection? What does the master picture look like? So this morning that we could take the pieces that you have and that I have, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, and you can begin to piece them together in a way that lines up with what it's actually supposed to look like according to Scripture. And so that's my hope this morning, that the pieces begin to fall into place and make sense for every single one of us. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, you can turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, if you have a tablet or smartphone, go to uversion.com and you can also pull up 1 Corinthians 15 and follow along that way. Or as you can see behind me, we're gonna, you can see it on the screen there behind me. We're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 starting in verse 1. And just to set it up, as some of you are turning there in your Bibles, these are words that a guy named Paul, an apostle Paul, wrote to a church in a Greek city named Corinth. And he's writing these words to a church he loves and he cares about. He actually helped plant this church. He started this church years before. And he's writing a letter to them. He wrote a few letters actually. But he's writing this letter to encourage them, to challenge them, to spur them on. And in this letter he's talking about all kinds of different topics. But when we get to chapter 15, he's going to zero in on something very, very important. At least for us here this morning. Join me in verse 1 as we begin. Paul writes this, he says, Now brothers, simply meaning he's writing to believers, right? He's writing to the church. He's saying, Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. Now just to pause real quick here, that word gospel literally means good news. And we like good news. Good news is good to hear, isn't it? That's what the word means. The gospel message is the, the message or the good news of everything that we're celebrating here at Easter this morning. The good news of who, who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and the resurrection. And so Paul's saying here, he's saying, look church, this church I care about, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of the gospel because we all need to be reminded of this from time to time. Jump down to verse 3 with me. 
Paul says this, For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. Now that word, no, there's two words actually, but first importance is important here. Because what Paul is saying, if I could paraphrase him so far, he's saying this, Look, church in Corinth, I have written to you and I have, I have in my presence, or when I've been with you, I have shared with you all kinds of things. I've taught you things about who God is. I've taught you things from Scripture. I've taught you about all kinds of topics. But what I'm going to share with you right now, what I want to remind you of right now, is the single most important thing I've ever shared with you. In fact, first importance you see there, that word is protos in the Greek. It's just one word. And it means best, first, superior, or nothing else even comes close. He's saying, in light of everything I could share with you, what I'm about to share with you now this is Paul saying this to the church in Corinth, is the single most important thing I could ever tell you. And it's true for us as well here this morning. That what we're about to read, these next words, are the most important words when it comes to Christianity and faith. And thankfully this morning, it's only 26 words. That's all that it is. It's very short, it's very brief, but it is the epicenter, the, the, the critical part, the most important foundation for all of Christian faith are the next 26 words that Paul is going to say here, that he says, this is the most important thing I could ever tell you about. And I just want to say this morning too, if there's nothing else you get from this morning, I hope it's these next 26 words that are there on the screen behind me. It's simply this message here, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's it. That's the foundation for this entire book and all of Christianity. That, those 26 words, right there what's on the screen, that is the puzzle master picture cover piece, if you will, that everything orients to. That's it. To, to break it down again, if you have your bulletin, your next fill in the blanks, is this idea that we have that on Friday that Jesus died. Why did he die? He died for our sins. This is so important. Now, if sins is a word you're not familiar with, sins simply means to violate God's commands. It means that, that you and I, that we have each turned our back on God and we have walked away from him. See, sin is things like anger and lust and pride and selfishness and hatred and so much more. And the scriptures are very clear over and over again that this is all of our story, that all of us, every single one of us has sinned. That this is our lot. That Jesus in that way died for all of us. But you know what else is true when it comes to all of us? Is that all of us, all of us can sometimes deceive ourselves because we forget that our sin is against a holy and perfect God. See, here's what we do oftentimes. Is that we take it and we say, yes, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as that person. We compare ourselves to other people who also sin. And so we deceive ourselves. And all of a sudden, we begin to think our sin is not all that big of a deal because compared to that person, I'm doing okay because they're really bad. I'm just sort of good, right? We kind of do this all the time. But the scriptures are so clear that sin is a really big deal. It's such a big deal, in fact, that God sent his one and only son into his own creation to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. That's how big of a deal it is. And so we see there this foundation, this master picture that on Friday, Jesus, Friday of Good Friday of Holy Week, Jesus died for our sins. The next fill in the blank is this, that after this happened on Friday evening and on Saturday, that Jesus was buried. 
And the worship team read scriptures from that earlier on. That after he died and said, it is finished, and bowed his head, he was taken off the cross. He was wrapped in linens. He was taken to an unused tomb in the nearby garden. He was placed there. The tomb was sealed shut. Roman guards posted out front so that nobody was getting in and nobody was getting out. That Jesus was buried. And we have Friday and we have Saturday, but then we have Sunday. And the third big idea is this, that Jesus was raised to new life on the third day. That he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And it's amazing because when you read in the scriptures, everybody is surprised that Jesus rose from the dead. But he talked about it all the time. Over and over again, he kept saying, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. Look, they're going to kill me. Look, but in three days, count them, three days, I will rise again. But dead people stay dead. And so I'm not surprised they were shocked. And here Jesus is alive and well. And he's proving, he proved by doing that, that everything he said about himself was true. That he is who he said he was. That he is Lord of lords, King of kings, and he is the Savior. Here's your next fill in the blank. It's this, this idea. That it is impossible to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, and not fully embrace the resurrection. It's just not possible. Because the resurrection is so foundational to everything about faith. Everything. But maybe this morning, maybe you're not so convinced. Maybe this morning you're still wondering, yeah, but how do we know it's true? How do we know it actually happened? And it, was, it wasn't some story that was created. How do we know? And there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of things we could say about that. But Paul, interestingly enough, is going to roll right from his 26-word foundation, master picture of what Christianity is all about. He then begins to roll into one line of evidence to try to support that this really happened, that this happened in history in real time, and you can trust it. Look what he says here as he continues on in verse 5. He says that after that, he, this is Jesus now, he, Jesus, appeared, he appeared to Peter, and then he appeared to the twelve. It says that after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, or in other words, died. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. It's like Paul's saying, this really happened, and you can count on it. In fact, there are so many people who witnessed and saw the risen, resurrected Jesus. I mean, there, there's a ton of them. In fact, if you took just the 500, and could you imagine this opportunity, this opportunity to uh, interview them? How cool would that be? To like bring them in just one at a time and be able to sit down with them and say, uh, okay, tell me again what happened. Why, how did that work again? And what were you doing? And what did Jesus say? And, and what was it like? And how do you know it was really him? Like how cool would that be to be able to interview these, these people? If, if 500, there's so many. In fact, if you had that opportunity and you could sit down one-on-one -on -one with each of these 500 and you started on a Monday morning, and you began to interview them, but you only got 15 minutes with each of them. And you did that 24-7, around the clock, starting Monday morning, everyone, one after the other, 15 minutes. Okay, what was your story? And what was your story? You wouldn't stop until dinner time on Friday. That's a lot of people. A lot of people are saying, I saw him. I talked to him. Maybe I, I touched him. It wasn't a ghost, it was him. It was really him. And here's the thing, that every single person that we just read about here in these scriptures, every single one of them risked their lives for that testimony. 
every single one of them put their life on the line because they were so convinced that it was true. Some of them even lost their lives. Paul, who wrote these very words, in fact, it's still on the screen, it says, and last of all, he appeared to me. That's Paul writing also. Paul lost his life for this. He was beheaded for his conviction that Jesus rose from the dead. But here's the thing. People don't give their lives for a lie, do they? You wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. And they didn't do it. Jesus rose from the dead. And here we have this list of witnesses over and over who said it's true. Because here's the big idea for this morning. Here's next fill in the blank. It's this. That the resurrection, it's either, it's either the greatest lie to humanity or it's the greatest event in history. And this is what's really important. There is no middle ground. It's either the greatest lie that has ever been hoisted on all mankind for the last 2,000 years and, and countless millions, including us here this morning, believe it, celebrate it, worship Jesus. Either it's the greatest lie that's ever happened or it's the greatest event that ever took place. What I want to ask this morning is what's your conviction? What's your conviction? Did it really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because it makes every difference, both in history and in your life today. You know, as for Paul, he gives his conviction. As for Paul, he, in fact, in verse 20, if you have your Bible, just roll your eyes at verse 20, because this is what he says there. This is his conclusion to the matter. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He was convinced. He said, I saw him. Jesus appeared to me. I know he's alive. I know we worship a risen Savior. See, if Jesus, if he rose from the dead, what that means is that he has the power to restore. He has the power to restore your relationship with God. He has the power to restore the, the broken pieces in your life. He has the power to restore hope to your life and freedom, the things we've been talking a lot about the last couple of weeks. He has the power to restore. And, and I'm convinced that today in our culture and in our nation, that we as a people, we're longing for this, that we're attracted to this, that when we hear of this idea that there is a, a God that can somehow take the mess of my life and somehow pull the pieces together, the pieces that are all jumbled in bowls, maybe around in our lives and in our heads and pull it together and make sense of it. A God who can restore my life we're longing for that. I think as a nation, we deeply desire it. And here's why I'm convinced of this, at least this week as I was thinking about it. This is my, my proof and evidence that this is the case. It's the movie that's coming out. Who has their tickets yet? Anybody have their tickets? A couple people? All right. Some of you are like, Avengers what? What are, what are we talking about with Avengers? Now, Avengers is your classic superhero movie in case you have not seen it yet. But the Avengers story is one, at least the previous movie, it's one where it ended in, in really a desperate manner. Because you have the bad guy, as you always do, and the bad guy Thanos goes and he just devastates everything. And there's death and destruction everywhere. We even lost superheroes, which is like surprising. I mean, we lose Spider-Man and you, lose, you even lose Groot, right? The little lovable tree and all that. I mean, even he's gone, right? And so you begin to wonder, how is this going to work? How is this going to come together? People are selling out theaters wondering, what's the restoration? How is this? It seems impossible that evil 
will be overcome. It seems impossible that anything good and any hope can come out of this scenario. You know why I think we're attracted to a movie like this, besides special effects and all that? I think the reason we're attracted to this kind of movie is because this movie and this storyline is our story. It's your story and it's my story. It's our story as, as mankind. Because the, our story is a story of a God who in the beginning created a world beautiful and good and perfect and where people had relationship with him and it was heaven on earth. But man, starting with Adam and Eve, we went our own way. In our nature and in our actions, each of us have violated his commands. We've each turned our back on God. We've snubbed our thumb at him and we've walked away and we've said, no, not you, God. That's all of our story. And the result, just like the Avengers movie, in the real world is one where we look around and we see devastation and we see disease and we see sickness and we see brokenness and we see relationships shattered and families destroyed and we see it in our lives and we see it in our community and we see it on every news cycle of every single day. This reminder, this world is not the way it's supposed to be. But that's our story. And that's where we're stuck and if without any rescue, without anything changing the narrative, our story is one that ends where we have no hope. Our story ends where you and I, we are a slave to sin and death. It always gets the last laugh. Every time. But the reason the resurrection is such a big deal, the reason Easter is a big deal, the reason we're here celebrating this morning is because a superhero did show up. Not the Avengers, set that aside, but a real life, real hero, Jesus, Savior, God, King of Kings, showed up and he changed not only the course of history, but through the resurrection after his death on the cross, he has changed and transforming lives to this day. That we worship a risen Savior, not some dead relic, not some dead idea, not some philosophy, but a Savior that you can have a relationship with today. I love how Paul says it in another place to begin to close this morning. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It's simply this, that God demonstrates his own love for you. You. In this, that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for you. He loves you. And if there's ever a time you feel like you're not loved, look to the cross. And if there's ever a time you feel forgotten in your life, that maybe there's a God that exists, but he obviously is paying no attention to my life, I want you to look to the cross. And if there's ever a time you feel like there's no hope, then how do I move forward? Because all I see is I look ahead in my life to tomorrow, next week, and next year, and everything else is just a trail. It's similar to what I've been living already. I want you to remember this morning that you have every reason for hope because there in Jerusalem this morning is an empty tomb. And there's a risen Savior that wants a relationship with you. And when you say yes to Jesus, as so many of you can already testify here this morning, the time when you've said yes to him and when you invite Jesus into your life to be your savior and Lord, that changes everything. I mean, think about it. We divide history and time based on Jesus, don't we? We have BC and we have AD. And it's exactly the same for our individual lives as well. That you could mark your life, and many of you already have, by this idea, before Christ, B.C., I was this way. This was my life, and this is how I lived. And it was filled with hurt and, and brokenness and, and everything, ever the mess I've made of my life. 
And we have our BC moments. But we also can go to AD and say, after a decision, after I made the choice to say yes to Jesus, he changed my life. And everything has changed. That's my story. Maybe it's your story as well. Because see, my story can be told a lot of different ways, and I probably need more cardboard than just this one. But my story kind of looks like this. It's a story for all of my life growing up. I didn't become a Christian until my senior year of high school. But up until that time, it was, this was me. I was a person constantly looking for approval, whether from my mom or dad, or a coach, a teacher, anybody, anybody who would pay attention to me and say, you're enough and you're okay. But in October of 1992, my senior year of high school, when I said yes to Christ, having very little idea of what was in front of me and what this was going to mean, but said, I believe that my sin is real and I believe that you're a real Savior and Jesus, I invite you to be Lord and Savior of my life and here we go. I can tell you that my BC days are not my days today. That my AD after decision days that I am content in him. You want to know why? It's not that I have this perfect every day. But my contentment comes because I know I'm approved by him. That I live my life for an audience of one. It only matters what he thinks ultimately. See, the God that we know and serve, Jesus who is alive and well today, is a savior that changes lives. That was the story of the 500 in the scriptures. It's my story. It's many of your stories as well. And here in just a moment, I want to share with you some more stories, some New Hope stories of people that you know or maybe you don't know. It's okay either way. And they're going to share with you their stories. Because each one of them believes that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and that he is a God that transforms and changes lives to this very day. And so as they come and share their story, I want to ask you to be thinking about something. I want you to ask you to be thinking about this question. What's your story? What's your story?